Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Welcome back to the Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner, CEO of Cordell & Cordell. And today we're going to talk a lot about child support. You've been really probably thinking about child support uh, in the wrong way. I mean, there's a lot of do's and don'ts. So you want to pay attention, get a piece of paper and a pen, take some notes today. As always, it's not legal advice, as you know. We just want to give you some information, some tips, some uh, information that you can go to the web and find out more details and if you want a consultation, that's the best way to get legal advice. You can go to our website at cordellcordell.com or give us a call at 866-DANCE-LAW. We can do a consultation via the web just like this, in person, on the phone, whatever's convenient for you. So give us a call. So I'm joined by one of the Cordell and Cordell attorneys up in Boston. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Well, great. I'm glad you joined. Let's talk about child support. It's something, you know, t- typically we've talked about child support. Um, you can get real technical you know, we've gone through the formulas, but here's some great do's and don'ts. I mean, I think this, especially, you know, with economic uncertainty, we've got inflation, the consumer price inflation index came out today. It's crazy. And there may be some things that you maybe want to think about uh, that may be affecting you, whether you're getting increases or decreases. But, you know, I think when I at least talk to guys that come in, uh, they want to say, look, what am I paying child support for? You know, you know, you know, I see her taking vacations or she's buying smokes or she just got a new Escalade. You know, it's, I get it. And, you know, it's one of those things. So let's kind of maybe have you set the groundwork. What are they really, what's yeah. it for? Yeah. So one important thing to remember is that child support is for your child. I know it goes directly to either your ex-spouse or the children's mother, but remember it's for your child. Um, The main things that it's meant to cover are things like rent, mortgage, heat, electricity, food, uh, those typical expenses that you would see if the two of you were still together, um, that you would maybe split. Um, It's to ensure that your child is the least disrupted in their life, in their lifestyle, when parents separate. Uh, The courts want to try to level out the incomes of the two parties so that um, when they go to dad's house, they may not they may be living in a mansion and having all these vacations, but they want to make sure that when they're at mom's house too, they have the same sort of things. You want to make sure that uh, your child is provided for. And that's the main thing you need to remember, especially in these situations. I know, as you mentioned, the economic climate is kind of crazy at the moment and things are shifting and changing. Uh, but remember, you want to keep your child's life as steady as possible, especially during trying times, whether it's a divorce or a separation or anything like that. Child support's formulaic for the most part across the country. And I mean, you're in Massachusetts, I'm in Missouri, I'm licensed in Illinois and Georgia, and and of my three states I'm licensed, every one of them is different, Uh, albeit there's a formula, right? Correct. So each state has a specific formula. The main portion of the formula that the states and the courts will look at are the income of the two parties. Um, Like we said, each state is different. Uh, Some states deduct out certain expenses. Here in Massachusetts, we look at um, a new guideline just came out and they added in social security. Um, Some expenses that come out are health insurance, dental insurance, any other support that may be paid to other children. 
as well as daycare or expenses such as those. Um, but again, each state is different. So you wanna make sure you talk to your attorney about what your specific state may deduct from the income. Yeah, and every, and every state being different, every case is different. I mean, I think that's what I always right. tell clients is, I get it's not, it, albeit it's formulaic, it doesn't mean it's automatic. I mean, there, right. there are gives and, you know, for us, there's a custody adjustment, there's a way to handle daycare expenses, whether they're in or out of the chart or the formula. So I think right. that's for the takeaway for guys is ask a lot of questions and say, look, okay, can, here's my, the magic word, can we deviate? from right. the formula. And that's the one yeah. you want to ask about. A lot of lawyers, I think, are afraid to argue for a deviation. I mm -hmm. think it's important to force the deviation where it's appropriate and where you have a good legitimate um, reason to argue. And I think that's really, really key. Right. And as you mentioned, it's really important too to remember that each case is different. What may be the case for your friend or your neighbor, even if you have similar incomes, it may not be the case in your case, so to speak incomes change, like we said, deviations are possible. There are ways that you can attribute income or um, impute income if income, if one person is underemployed and should be working more, has the ability to work more, but just doesn't because they either want more support or they wanna pay less support. That's something the court's gonna look at and it's really important to talk to your attorney or talk to an attorney about situations to make sure that you're covered to the best extent possible and that any income that should be attributed or imputed is so the support order as is as correct as it should be so talking about income that's the big you know 90 million dollar question especially during <laughs> yeah. covid back in 2020 right. we saw guys going you know they're getting unemployed and they're working from home or they're layoffs so yeah. what do we do or what are the effects of increasing and decreasing income? Because I mean, now we have this yin yang. We've got, you know, we hit rock bottom, and now guys are maybe you've seen right. a job um, economy, an environment where people are having to pay substantially more income to get workforce. So what's you know what's the effect of a decreasing and increasing income when it comes to child support? Right. Again, I think and you'll, everyone will probably get sick of hearing this, but it's really important you talk to an attorney especially if there's been a decrease in your income. Um, you wanna make sure that that decrease is not voluntary, that you're not purposely taking a lower paying job if you have the ability to maintain the status quo, so to speak. I always recommend to people that come in for consultations or to my clients that if you know a new job is on the horizon, reach out to your attorney as soon as that's a possibility. Because the sooner, at least in Massachusetts, the sooner we can get a case filed, the sooner the support order can change. Um, here in Massachusetts, support orders can be retroactive to the date of service of any complaint. So you wanna make sure that if there's, especially a decrease in your income, that you get those orders and those complaints filed as soon as possible so that you can have that taken care of. Uh, the longer you wait, the more you're on the hook for the higher support and you wanna make sure that that's lowered as soon as possible. It is, I mean, you know, it's one of those, I had a client come in and he talked about, yeah, I've got, I want to go back on chi uh, child custody, but I've got a huge increase in income since right. we rolled out of COVID. And those are the things, and you say, you can't say it enough, it is so true. A consultation is worth its weight in gold just yep. to know what, you know, strategically what you should be doing, right. legally what is allowable, and, and then kind of getting that say, hey, here's what I would recommend. Let's wait um, yep. and, and kind of see what happens. So 
Now let's talk about, you know, uh, bonuses, commissions. I mean, I think that's a big variable as well. When we think about, it's really easy for us to talk about a W-2 employee who has a salary with no overtime, no commission, no bonuses. What do you do with that? So there are a lot of different ways that those different types of payment structures can be approached. We try to give our clients all of the options and say, look, this is one way that we can deal with bonuses or commissions. This is another way. Um, For example, we can take an average, say you get uh, certain bonuses over the past five years. Well, we take an average of those bonuses and say, look, this is what he is making over the past five years for bonuses. That's going to be included. Um, We can also, especially for commissions, argue that the other person will get a percentage of your commissions. So if you get a commission every three months, you are entitled to provide your uh, ex with a certain amount of that commission. Um, That way, if you don't get a commission, you're not on the hook for anything extra. Uh, So it's really important to kind of go through those different options and the different possibilities with your attorney and say, look, these are the uh, possibilities that we can do. This is the one that will likely work best for you and your situation. Um, And then kind of go from there. Yeah, bonuses, you know, in infrequent, you know, uh, kind of a one-time bonuses, uh, obviously the other side wants to throw them in. You know, <laughs> yeah. our argument is like, look, hey, it's not likely to repeat. It was a holiday bonus that they haven't paid right. in years. So again, those are the types of things is bringing a paycheck stuff, bringing a, you know, your, your tax return from the year before. Let's kind of talk about those. But I guess it gets complicated. Like I represent right now a self-employed uh, owner who owns their own business and they they put a lot of their uh, income they can probably could take back into the business to make it really more valuable or there's issues like they use a credit card for personal expenses it gets a little bit uh, dicey tricky when it talks about self-employment income right yep self-employment um, is often scrutinized a lot more than w2 as you mentioned there are certain expenses that you may be able to take out for your business on tax returns and things of that nature, but for child support purposes, the court may add them back in. Uh, For example, here in Massachusetts, uh, if you deduct your vehicle expenses or cell phone expenses or depreciation, uh, those things can be argued that they be added back in. Um, Again, this is always something that we can negotiate Um, But you want to be careful also because the judges are mandated reporters to the IRS. So make sure that um, everything you are telling to your attorney, you want to provide them all the documentation they need uh, to adequately represent you, especially when you're self-employed. Because like I said, the judges do scrutinize self-employed people more than they do a regular W-2 employee. Yeah, yeah, they'll go through with a fine-tooth comb, no doubt. And it does get a bit more difficult, but I think there's some, you know, there's some advantages, like I said, I I represent yep. a guy that uh, he's in the service industry and, and uh, there's some things he's in, you know, that he needs to continue the job. There's money sitting in a checking account in the business and it's right. required for him to, to get bids. And so there's ways around it, not to fear when you have self-employed income. Sure. I think it's, again, it's all about strategy and preparation. Yep. So there's guys out there, obviously, that pay child support uh, via wage assignment or wage withholding. Right. Um, they have to be concerned if they're changing jobs uh, that they kind of move that on to the next job and yep. also, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to decrease your own income just for the point of paying less, you know, or right. setting yourself for a modification. Talk a little bit about that. Right. So one thing we see a lot is if you are paying through wage assignment and you either switch jobs or you lose your job, that wage assignment doesn't stop. The state 
is still going to expect you to pay whatever amount is ordered. So I always tell my clients, again, if you know that a job loss is coming or a change in job is coming, be proactive about it and make sure that these things are taken care of. Um, at least here in Massachusetts, you can simply send in the payments to our Department of Revenue and they'll credit it right to the account. So you wanna make sure that if there is a lag time, which there usually is at least here in Massachusetts, between the new job taking effect and your old job ending, you wanna make sure those payments are still consistent and that they're getting where they need to go. Uh, so if that means you have to send a check every month to the Department of Revenue, you do that um, just to make sure that no arrearage gets racked up because oftentimes with the rearage, there may be interest or fees or penalties or things, and you obviously want to avoid those to the most extent possible. A lot of things, uh, guys that are watching, listening, they're either divorced uh, or there's a lot that are thinking about it or in the middle of divorce. There's yeah. something that I use the phrase, springing clauses, uh, things that provide, for example, in your decree or in your agreement, uh, if this, then that kind of a springing from this to that. So you often see self-adjusting clauses. Yep. Uh, some states prohibit them, some allow them, where, yep. for example, uh, child support shall be $200 until the child reaches school age, uh, you know, age eight, and then it's this, or then it's that. And then once they graduate high school, if there's provided for post-majority support, something like that, that's something yep. to be on the lookout for or to consider. Yep, um, another thing, that goes along with that that we see a lot of times is a lot of people will exchange tax documents every year after they uh, get their taxes done to see if a change in support would be necessary. Um, again, you wanna talk to your attorney. I know I <laughs> said it a ton of times, but you wanna make sure you're talking to your attorney, one, before agreeing to something like that, and two, when the time comes to do it. Um, before you agree to something like that, because you wanna make sure that you're not opening yourself up to a large increase substantially over time. Um, and again, at the same time, you wanna make sure that it's the best thing for you and in your case, in your situation. Um, once you do agree to do it and you exchange the documents, again, um, you wanna make sure that the correct numbers are being used, the correct formulas are being used. So it's important to discuss hey, look, I got my tax returns today. I got my excess tax returns. Can you help me run the numbers and see what support would be if it's changing, if it's worthwhile to file a modification? Yeah, I think you have to be careful with springing clauses just because I think uh, it can hurt you in the future. Judges have right. said to me, look, your clients anticipated this. This was part of the bargain. You know, this yep. was a contemplated action. So therefore, I'm going to deny your motion to modify and uh, to alter the amount. And I think it's just, it has to be advantageous. And I know you mentioned it, I mentioned it. And that is consult with an attorney. It's just like medicine. You know, sometimes you don't know how much medicine to take. Well, consult with a doctor because right. they're the ones you need to have, you know, to get the right advice, to get the outcome you expect, because if I want to get better. I want to get over this fever or this cough. What should I take? I want to get yep. better. So I, you know, it's, you can self-represent and, and I think it's dangerous. I don't even do that myself, you know, in matters uh, I want someone who's, you know, disconnected from it. I wouldn't do right. it myself. So um, as we kind of wrap through in uh, our conversation today, let's kind of end on the note that I think does get a little bit complicated and it's a pressing question is when do I stop paying child support? Now that right. obviously changes across the country. Uh, you yeah. know, I was, I had a court of appeals case where I was dealing with a client who got an order in, in Oklahoma, but he lived in Missouri and Missouri the, at the time child support went to 22. 
uh, in Oklahoma where the divorce decree was entered, it stopped at 18. Well, mom was trying to press it forward to 22. And that's the question is, when do I stop? It gets really complicated when child support is authorized post high school because do you still pay the full amount? I think, again, that's an opportunity where we can be really creative and really strategic. If you're talking about college age kids and you live in a state in which child support's really still required. Right, so like you said, it does vary state to state. So it's important to kind of look at what your state, we call it here in Massachusetts, emancipation laws say, Unfortunately, there is some gray area. So again, it's important to kind of discuss that gray area, see how you fall into it. Um, I always advise my clients, don't ever stop paying without a court order. Um, If there is an agreement that says, okay, I can stop paying on X date, that's fine. But without that court order, do not ever stop paying because you open yourself up to contempt charges and that's, it's avoidable. Don't ever stop paying, even if your ex owes you money. If you think you should be paying less, you either have to file a modification or file something with the court to get something signed by the judge saying it's okay to either stop paying if the time is right or to pay less if, again, a modification is appropriate. But don't ever voluntarily stop paying, uh, especially without consulting an attorney first, because you just open yourself up to liability that is avoidable. And I think when you've got, for example, Missouri, which again, I mentioned kind of a little bit, uh, our child support goes to 21, which pushes a child into college. And there's an opportunity for us to consider a way to say, okay, instead of paying full formulaic child support, let's reduce it if the child's away. Let's say they're out of the state of Missouri, because we're unique in that um, divorced parents are required to pay for college for kids in Missouri uh, for their tuition, which is a very unique uh, law. So I think yeah. for guys listening, go out there, have that conversation, say, hey, is there an opportunity for me to file a motion to modify now that my child is away at school? Because, you know, think yeah. about it. We started this conversation of what is child support for? And that is rent, utilities, food, you know, all the things that you're probably maybe double paying already. I mean, Missouri, right. um, I have a guy that's going to be paying 50% of tuition, room, and board. So why would I pay full room and board or 50% here and also 50% of room tuition and board to my ex-spouse right. when they're not yep. incurring it. So great example, take advantage of a consultation. Um, Brittany, great stuff today. Thanks for providing the do's and the don'ts and kind of, kind of putting me. people back on the path of uh, getting to the information. So thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. So again, schedule that consultation. We always say it a lot. Brittany said it here, 866-DADS-LAW, spend that hour find an attorney who practices exclusively in family law like we do. We have offices around the country, including the United Kingdom. Check us out on the web, cordellcordell.com or cordellcordell.co.uk if you are in the United Kingdom. But give us a call, 866-DANSLAW. We can take care of that consultation via Zoom, via WebEx, just on the web, just like this, in person or on the telephone. So until next time, have a great week.